morning. I think I'm on. Am I on? Can you hear me out there? Praise God. It's good to be in Clarksville, Indiana this morning. I, I left the country this week, went to the great nation of Texas. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Anybody who's from Texas? I, I, all my Texas friends. All right. We made it to Texas and back, worked at my mom's for a couple of days, got some things done there. And I'm thrilled to be in Indiana. It's to feel like home to us. And, uh, you know, we're, we're falling in love with you guys. We've gotten to meet with you and have coffee with some of you. We were at a, a graduation party last night, got to fellowship with all you guys. And so many wonderful people that make up this body. Amen. And uh, so I'm blessed to be here this morning. Praise God. How about you? Amen. 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 God is good. You should say it this way. Ain't God good in Georgia. That's where I, I was born in Georgia, and that's the way they said it down there. Did they do that in Mississippi too? Yeah. It's a southern thing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when I got my microphone this morning, I was informed that I only have 30 minutes of battery. <laughs> so that's what Scott told me anyway. So I'm going to preach till my battery runs out, since I only have 30 minutes. <laughs> That's Scott's fault, by the way. If I go for an hour and 15 minutes, it's Scott's fault. <laughs> no, so I, I do uh, want to preach this morning up, down, all around. Up, down, all around. I'm not going to explain that at the beginning, but hopefully by the time we're through, you'll understand what up, down, all around is all about. I'm going to read one of the, probably one of the shortest texts that we can read in First Peter chapter 2. Uh, we're going to read one verse. There are four very powerful precepts in this verse. There are four powerful precepts. And if we could take these precepts, learn these pre precepts, apply these precepts to our lives, we would live a life well. We would live a life that honors and blesses God, that blesses others. If we can take these four precepts that are in this little verse and learn to live them out. First Peter chapter 2, verse 17. It says, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Since it's so short, I'll read it again. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Aren't you thankful for God's word? Let, let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. Lord, I just pray that as we sit in your house today, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, just make a mark on us today. Impact us. Go to the deepest place of our hearts, Lord God. Let your nature uh, be manifest in us, Lord, as your word comes and changes and transforms us. Father, give us ears to hear and help me to deliver your word to your people today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 So up, down, all around. We're going to look at these four precepts this morning, and we'll start with the first one. Honor all men. Simply stated, respect everyone. Respect everyone. The word there, honor, it, it means in, in, our, in our English language, honor, respect, esteem, value. Think about that. Honor, respect, esteem, and value some folks. The ones that you like. The ones that share the same political affiliation. The ones who are part of your denomination. No. Honor 
everyone. Honor all men. Full stop, period, as I say in the UK, full stop. In, in the Hebrew, the word honor carries a little bit of a different connotation. It's, and I'm going to butcher the Hebrew, I don't speak Hebrew, but it's bokavad, and it means to make heavy or to give weight to. So what I believe God's asking us to do is to give weight to others, to give value to others, to esteem others. That's what God, I believe, is asking us to do. The, the kingdom of God, the culture of God's kingdom is a culture of honor. You know that where there is a lack of honor, God is limited in his ability to wor work and to move. Do you know that? Jesus demonstrates that this. He, in Matthew chapter 13, he, he goes to Nazareth to minister. He grew up in Nazareth, and, and the people, he, he finds that there is a lack of respect for him and for his ministry there. They, they begin to ask questions. I mean, isn't he from Nazareth? Can anything good come out of a Nazareth? Can, can a carpenter really do any good works? They're despising, they're belittling, they're looking down upon Jesus. And listen to what the Bible says. It says uh, in, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 57, it says they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. And listen to this. He did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Lack of honor shows unbelief. There is a correlation with a lack of honor and belief. It's, it's significant. It shows when we have a lack of honor in our spirit, in our heart, it shows that we have a spirit of unbelief. I believe that. Jesus was limited. It says he did not many miracles there because of their unbelief. Because they despised him, because they did not esteem him or honor him, they couldn't put their confidence and trust in him. And listen, God can't move when we lack faith. That's a reality. If we don't have faith and confidence in him and in his finished work, he's limited in what he can do in our lives. This, this passage of scripture, and, and I just think that really shows the importance of honor in the kingdom of God. There, there's a premium. I believe that the, that the currency of God's kingdom is relationship. Everything moves in God's kingdom through relationship. You're not going to lead people to Jesus without relationship. I've done the cold call evangelism where you, we used to go on the streets of San Antonio, down on the Riverwalk, down on Alamo Plaza, in different parts, in, in, in San Marcos, Texas, where we pastor, we'd go out onto the university and to the scene where all the bars, it was, it was called the square where the old courthouse was, and there were all these bars. And we used to go walk those streets on Friday night, and we would witness the gospel of Jesus. But it was hard to get an, an entrance to be able to speak to people about the Lord because we didn't have relationship with them. We found out that when we would go and sit in the coffee shops and get to know those students that we were trying to reach, as we built those relationships, the doors would begin to open and we'd be able to minister to their life. The kingdom of God moves through relationship. It really does. I believe relationship is, is the currency of God's kingdom. And so we need to value relationship. We need to value people. You'll, you'll, you'll never be effective at lifting people up until you lift your perspective in them, until you value them. You will never win people for Christ until you esteem them, value them, care about them, 
It's important. And so God's calling us to honor everybody. Not some folks, but all folks. Not your favorite kind of people, but all people. We shouldn't honor them and value them and esteem them because they're Republicans or Democrats. We shouldn't value and esteem them because of the color of their skin. We shouldn't value and esteem them for what kind of job that they have, what kind of socioeconomic background that they're from. We need to value them because they are created in the image of a living God. Amen? As soon as we begin to look down on somebody, we are... Thumbing, our, 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 we're basically saying to God, what you have made is insignificant. Proverbs talks about this. In Proverbs 17, verse 5, it says, those who mock the poor insult their maker. Those who reject, rejoice at misfortune of the others will be punished. You think about that. When we despise our fellow man, we despise our maker. We are to value every single human being, no matter how deeply lost they are in sin, no matter what kind of lifestyles they're living. It doesn't mean that we have to condone their lifestyle. It doesn't mean that we have to join them in that lifestyle, but we need to value them. We need to value their souls. We need to have a burden for the lost, the broken, the hurting, the the, the down and out. The Bible talks about God. It says that he is the God in Isaiah. He is the God that gathers the outcasts of Israel. You think about that. We need to be a people that gather outcasts, that minister to the down and out, the broken, the hurting, the people that aren't like us, the despised, the rejected, the bruised. Those are the ones that Jesus came for. We need to have a heart for every man, for every person. Amen? So that's principle number one. Let's look at at, at, at number two, precept number two. He tells us to love the brotherhood. Love the brotherhood. Or to love the family of believers. Love those who are of the fraternity of faith, those who are in the household of God. We need to love them. Amen? Romans, and I've been, I think this is the third time in probably the last five messages I've used this verse. But I want to pound this one into us and get get it deep down into our spirit, deep down into our soul. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing love honor. Amen. Husbands, if you and your wife are constantly in conflict, learn to strive to outdo her in honor. Wives, honor your husband and he will honor you. It it will be reciprocated. If we're always biting at each other and and snarling and griping and complaining, that's what we're going to receive back. But if we so honor if we show, show esteem and value and we, we, we talk about, man, I, I appreciate how hard you work. I appreciate what you do for our kids. I, I appreciate what you do in our home. I, I th- thank you for painting the room. Thank you for doing the dishes. Thank you for mowing the lawn. Thank you for, for keeping our house clean. Thank you for making my meals. Thank you for taking me out. If we will begin to do that, we will re- reciprocate that. Whatever you sow, you're going to receive in your relationships. Amen. We, we've got to, you do a marriage seminar, Liz? <laughs> she says it's good for our marriages. It's true. It works in our homes. But listen, it works in the church as well. In the body of Christ, we need to learn to esteem one another, to value one another. Stop criticizing every preacher you see on TV. 
right? I mean, we're, Christians are good at it. We, think, we would think that there is a spiritual gift of criticism in the Bible, but it's not there. I mean, we can critique and break everything down and judge, and we're real good at it. But are we good at loving one another? Are we good at valuing one another? Are we good at overlooking each other's faults? We all, here, here's the reality. All of the heroes in the Bible have feet of clay. Have you noticed that? Every man that God used in scripture was, was full of error. They, they, they were sinful. They, they, David was a murderer and adulterer. He, God raised him up to be uh, king of Israel, right? And, and one of the greatest worship uh, psalmists, he wrote all kinds of psalms of worship to the Lord. God used David in a mighty way despite his weakness, right? We, we've got to look beyond each other's faults. And we need to see the, 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 the spark of God on the inside of our brother and sister and what God is doing in them. We need to esteem the gift that God has put in. We need to value them for the person, the character that God is creating in them. Amen? We need to learn to love the brotherhood. Listen to what First, first John says in, in chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. It says, we know how much that God loves us. How many of you know how much God loves you? Amen? Amen. Joe, I think it was Joe, he put up a, a post this week on social media. says, if we just knew how much, if everybody in the world knew how much God loved them, it would change and transform the world. There's a reality in that. Do you know that God loves you? Okay. Doesn't sound like it. Do you know that God loves you? Amen. I mean, just knowing that. There is freedom and victory in knowing that God loves you. Amen. It'll transform your life. We know how much God loves us. And we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God. God lo- God's, God, and God lo- lives in them. I'm sorry. Too many lives and loves in one verse. God lives in them. And, and we live in God. Our love grows more perfect. And I'm sorry, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Let me ask you, is that your goal? To live like Jesus here in this world? That ought to be our aim. One of, one of my mentors, David Cook, he said, our, what, he, had, he was asked what it means to be a Christian. And he said, this is it. it it's, it's to behold Jesus, to become like him, and to beam forth his light. As a believer, my goal in life is to live like Jesus lived on planet Earth. Amen? That, that's, that's our aim. That's our goal. May the character of Christ be shaped in us. David said, I, I, I want to arise in his likeness. Amen? Yeah. Do, you, do you have a desire in you to arise in the likeness of Jesus Christ? That when you wake up every morning, you'll go forth in the power of the Spirit of God and live like Jesus lived on this earth? That we'll love like Jesus loved? We'll be able to do the works that Jesus did? Amen? That, that ought to be what we do, aspire to each and every day, that we can live like Jesus right here in this world. Verse 18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer... That person, this is pretty bold right here, is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? 
And he gave us, he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Take a look around. Take a look around. Look at everybody in the room. Who, who are you angry at? Who are you upset at? Listen, God's calling us to love one another. I, I hear people, it's, it's, people are barking out. My pastor used to say, when you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that yelps is the one that gets hit. <laughs> How many of you get frustrated with people in church? Let's just be honest. How many, anybody in church has ever upset you? It happens, right? We, we have to move on. We have to lay it down at the altar. I was talking in our devotional. And by the way, tune in on Wednesday nights, 6 o'clock. Tune into our Facebook devotionals. But I, my, my wife was talking about how Jesus said that if, if you come to offer something at the altar and you remember you've got a, an offense against your brother, he says, don't offer that offering. Leave it at the altar. Go and make that offense right with your brother and then come back and give your offering to me. God, in many ways, is more concerned about our relationships this way than he is this way. Because if our relationships this way are messed up, our relationship this way is going to be messed up. We cannot, as believers, live with offense, unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred, anger, whatever it is, towards another brother. It will hinder your walk with God. It's not worth it. Lay it at the altar. Lay, lay that burden down. Lay that, that offense down and go and make peace with your brother. Amen. The Bible encourages us to live peaceably with all men. We need to strive to do that, as, as, especially with those who are of the household of faith. Galatians makes this point. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith especially those who are of the household of faith. Listen, we need to honor all men, but we need to be especially kind, good, honoring to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? We, we need to go above and beyond in our relationships together. Amen? Pre precept number three. We're moving through here. Precept number three is, is fear God. Fear God. One of my major concerns when I just survey the church is that we've lost the fear of God. We have become complacent, careless, familiar. Familiarity is dangerous. Familiarity can ruin my marriage if I'm not careful. Pastor, and I, Pastor Bill and I get too familiar with one another. It, it, can, it can frustrate our relationship. We have to always respect one another, always value one another, always esteem one another, and not take one for granted not become so familiar with people that we lose respect for them. We can't let that happen. And it's a dangerous thing when we become familiar with the things of God. My, my father-in-law taught, taught a statement. I heard him say it one time. I love it. He says that, that we, we need to ask God in all things, even in the obvious. Even in the obvious. That's an attitude that will keep us from becoming familiar with the things of God. Well, we're just going to do it this way because we've always done it this way. Have you asked the Lord about it? Maybe he's wanting to change something up. Maybe he's wanting to redirect. Maybe the Holy Spirit wants to come and lead us in a different way, right? 
We are people who are led by the Spirit of God. And if we're not careful, we'll get into ruts and we're just led by our own volition, our own will, our, our own desires, and they will become the driving force in our life if we're not careful. Fear of God is a reverence of God. It's a respect of God. It's an, an honoring of God. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. We cannot become complacent in our walk with God. All sin. Why, why do Christians sin? Why do we who have been born again find ourselves, I don't even like the terminology, falling into sin. Going straight to sin is more like it. Why, why do we do that? Listen, every time that we sin, it's because we have become complacent in our walk with God. All sin in a believer's life is rooted in complacency in our walk with God. We have become careless, half-hearted. We've lost fear. David became complacent in his walk with God. When David should have gone to battle, instead he went to bed with Bathsheba. Right? All, the Bible says that all the kings, it was during the time when all the kings went to war, David stayed home. David was the king of Israel. David, at this point, is disengaging from his call. All the other kings are going to battle. He's king of Israel. He stays home. He is disengaged in his call. Think about it. Three things happen when we become complacent with God. Three things happen when we become complacent with God. Number one, we become distant from the Lord. Our, our communion with the Lord is broken. Our, our prayer times, our time in the word is broken. The, 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 the channel of communication that we have with God is, is severed. The, our, our spirit is no longer open to hear the voice of God. Why? It's because we, we've become distant from God. We're, we're moving into a place of complacency. What happens is then we become, number, step number two, we become apathetic in our walk with God. It doesn't really matter if I go to church. It doesn't really matter if I witness anymore. It doesn't really matter if I go to the prayer meeting. It doesn't matter if I do this. It doesn't matter if I do that so much. God understands I'm busy. First step, we, we become distant from the Lord. Second, we start to become apathetic in our walk. And the last thing is we disengage from our call. Have you seen people that have already been through step one and two, but they're still serving in the church, right? They're still in the sound booth. They're still on the worship team. Right, but they become distant. They've disengaged in their walk, right? They, they've, they've become apathetic in their walk. The last thing usually that we do in this pattern is, is we disengage from the call that God's put on our lives. This is why pastors can stand in pulpits and preach while their, their lives are a wreck. It's because the last thing they'll do is disengage from their call. But this is the pattern that we, we see happening so often in, 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 in people's lives. And this is all rooted in complacency with God. We've lost a fear, a reverence, an honor, a respect for God. And it will call, cost us our calling. The, the gifts and callings of God are without uh, repentance. God won't take our call. But we, we can literally set our calling down and forsake it. All of this is rooted I think, in a lack of fear. We're, we're more often set off course because we forget about God than we are that we actually hate God. 
It's not even, we haven't become angry with God. We're not bitter. We've just become complacent. More people leave the church just because they've gotten complacent in their walk with God. That's the reality. And as we see with David, presumption has killed many a king. David became presumptive in his walk with God. And look at the, the damage that was brought to his life because of that. There were consequences to David's sin. God, God forgave him, God so used him, but there were consequences to David's sin. Don't, don't allow yourself to become complacent with the things of God. May, may we never forget what it means to fear the Lord. May we never forget to esteem him, to give him first place, to make him the priority of our life. May we never forget that. Let's move on. Precept number four. Precept number four. It's honor the king. Respect the king. Sounds good until we start to to apply it. It's hard. Let's say it this way. Respect Donald Trump. That upset somebody right there in your spirit. Just kind of rose up. Respect Barack Obama. Some of you that upset, right? I, I've been preaching this. I'm preaching it during the Trump administration. I was preaching this message during the Obama administration. I preached it during the George W. Bush administration. I preached it during the Bill Clinton administration because the principle applies no matter who the king is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some scriptures. Peter wrote this. You know who the king was when Peter wrote this? Nero. Nero, go research. Nero is called the the cruelest ruler that ever lived. He's called the cruelest ruler that ever lived. And, And here's Peter saying, honor the king. He's talking about earthly kings, earthly rulers. We'll go, let's, let's read the whole, so I read to you 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Let's put this in context of what Peter's talking about. Let's start in verse 13, that same chapter. It says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as set by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. This is why I'm so adamant that we should stop blasting politicians on social media. You read that verse again. Go read that verse again. We, we need to stop with our mouth destroying men, despising men with our mouths. We need to stop it. It is not productive. It's counterproductive. For, let's see, I lost my place. For, for this is the will of God that we, uh, read it again, that, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom to cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle but also to the unjust. And if you go and look in the Greek, the the word there for unjust is scolios. It's where we get our term scoliosis, the curvature of the spine. It means crooked or perverse. Peter here is saying that we need to submit to authorities on planet Earth, even the wicked ones, even the crooked ones. I I wanna say this, there's, there's only 
a few instances where the Bible says that we can disobey authority. It's when it violates the person of Jesus Christ, if it grieves the Holy Spirit, if it goes against the word of God. That's the only time we can, we can disregard a command from a superior. You know that? That's why I, I think it's important when, it, when a government issues uh, the, the health recommendations for, for COVID-19, I think it's important to submit to that, to honor that. Now, if they start telling us we can't preach anymore in the name of Jesus, that they're, they're, you know, all, all these types of things, hey, we're, we're, I'm gonna, I'll never stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Whenever they ask me to do something that violates the person of Jesus Christ, his word, his Holy Spirit, I will not do it. I'd rather, as, as the apostles say, it's better to obey God than men. But it's not just because there's some whim in your heart that says, I don't want to comply with the government anymore. That's rebellion, right? We're, we're instructed here to honor authority, to honor the, the men that God has put into office. We may not like the leaders that we get, but usually we deserve the leaders that we get. That's a reality. And God uses leaders, wicked men, to, to chastise us and bring us back to where he wants us to be. Right? I, I believe that with everything that, that is on the inside of me. Watchman, he says, in serving God, we must not violate authorities because to do so is the principle of Satan. I agree with that. We must not violate authorities because to do so is a principle of Satan. Titus also says it. Remind the believers, in Titus 3, 1 through 2, it says, remind the believers to submit to the government and its officials. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. To everyone. I know this, some of these things that I'm talking about, it goes against every fiber in our being. I mean, we hate what this politician does. We hate what that politician does. It's wickedness, and we want to speak out against. And we should. We, whenever, we need to speak to issues and not slander men. Right? We should voice, right? We should be a voice about equity. We should be a voice concerning matters of abortion and, 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 and the marriage and protecting Christian values. We should be a voice to these things that matter to God and matter in the scripture. We should be a voice to that, but we should never slander men as we speak boldly what God has said. We should honor men at all times. This needs to play out in the church. I'm going to wrap up here. I want to read two more verses. I'm going to ask my wife to come. And I'm going to, I'm going to read two more verses. And hopefully, as I wrap this thing up, you understand what up, down, and all around is all about. James chapter 4, verse 11 says, Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone, who gave the law, is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Think about it. I want the emphasis to be just in that first line of that. Don't speak evil against each other. Don't speak evil against each other. I can't say anything ill to my brother Scott. I can't speak ill to Pastor Bill or Elizabeth, David, 
Shannon, Steve, we can go through. We cannot speak ill of each other. Listen, parents, if, if you're going home on the car ride and you're speaking ill of a brother and sister in Christ, a pastor, a leader, a worship leader, a sound technician, whoever it is in the church, an usher that, that rubbed you the wrong way, if you're, if you're slandering them on the way home, you're poisoning your children. We, we can't, it's good. We, we can't speak ill of each other. Galatians makes it clear again, and it shows the damage that this kind of behavior does. It's Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 15. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in, in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are biting and devouring one another, Watch out, beware of destroying one another. One, one translation said it this way, why are you surprised that you are chewed up when you are biting and consuming one another? That's church, church life, folks. How many of you have seen it in the church, here or anywhere else, right? Biting, tearing up. I don't like this one. I don't like that one. Don't like the way they sing. Don't like the way he preaches. Sound, the sound man doesn't know what he's doing. The ushers uh, walked the wrong way, put me to the wrong seat. I mean, we're just <laughs> snarly, snipey, chewing each other up. I think most of our moms told us that saying, right? If you can't. Usually when, we're, usually when we were with our siblings, right? If you can't say anything, good. Don't say anything at all. A lot, a lot of us don't have much to say. <laughs> That's got to change. We, we need to elevate one another, to value one another, to give weight to one another. To, if, if you see your brother overtaken in a fault, what's our response? To go and tell your wife on the way home? To go and, 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 and or we're gonna, I'm gonna tell the prayer circle so we can pray about it, right? <laughs> You're spiritualizing your gossip circle. <laughs> right? <laughs> what does the Bible say? Galatians 6, 1, when you see your brother overtaken with a fault, take it to the prayer circle. No, that's not what it says. Go directly to your brother, considering yourself, lest you be overtaken with the same fault, and go to him to restore him. If you are a spiritual person, you won't have a ministry of criticism, judging, devouring, biting. You will have a ministry of reconciliation a ministry of restoration. We are here to lift one another, to build one another, to encourage one another, to provoke one another, to love and good works. That's our job. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. I'm gonna ask my wife to sing. And I, I want us, because I, I, I believe this thing, if we're gonna honor one another, it starts with honoring the king. I want us to lift our voices and I want us to honor the king. I want you to pour your heart out in honoring God in the next few moments, and we're gonna pray. <laughs>